Christian Smith is a sociologist of religion at Notre Dame. He uses the term moralistic therapeutic deism to describe the popular religion of American people. He identifies some of the basic tenets. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over life on earth, but at a distance, sort of like the deistic uh, master clock designer. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught by most world religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God does not need to be particularly involved in anyone's life except to resolve a major problem. And good people will go to heaven when they die. Now there is a growing assumption that this is a summary of Christian faith. These things are easy to believe because they make few demands on our lives. And in a society where feeling is almost the ultimate criteria for values, believing things like this can make us feel good. You know, the rebellious mantra of the 1960s has become today's secular dogma. If it feels good, do it. But what if deciding right and wrong is not just a point of view? What if religion is not just a list of rules, mine or yours or anyone else's? What if truth is not the ever-changing consensus of the crowd? What if truth is a person that you can get to know, a person that knows you through and through? Christian faith says that this person's story is told in the Bible. His name is Jesus. And it's good to listen to what he says. In contrast to living for convenience and temporary happiness and presuming that we all measure up to God's standard of goodness, Jesus exhorts his disciples to live differently. They're to give, to store up treasure in heaven. Disciples are to be like servants who are waiting for their master to return late in the night. They're to be ready to serve the needs of the master. And then Jesus introduces one other element. One concern of the master is to make sure that no one breaks into the house. Here we have the introduction of evil and the possibility of danger. Someone could break into the house and wreak havoc. Then Peter asks, Lord, is this meant for us or for everyone? You see, the disciples have lived in the presence of Jesus. They have been given much. And Jesus says that if they're not vigilant, they'll be judged. But Jesus' words are not only directed at his inner circle of 12, they're given to us. We know the will of God through Jesus Christ. We have the sacraments, we have the scriptures, we have the apostolic teaching of the church. 
We have right now more than the disciples originally had. And today we're caught in a conflict of watchfulness and complacency. There are popular but devastating beliefs and values and assumptions voiced in the media and even among some of our own personal relationships. False teaching is breaking into the house, into the church, and it's wreaking havoc. There's a recent report that projects that only 50% of those surveyed even know that the Catholic Church teaches that during the Mass, the bread and wine actually become the body and blood of Jesus. And of that 50% who even know that, 28% believe it, 22% reject it. As our larger society grapples with decreasing respect for human life, as our larger society grapples with an evaporation of any boundaries to sexuality, there are many who claim to be Catholic surrendering to whatever seems popular or easy. And Jesus is saying the opposite. He's the master and he's promised to come again. And he can come at any time. And he says that his servants are to be ready when he comes. The world around us says, focus on your own security. Live the easiest way you can. Take a shortcut. Do what is most convenient. If we're always choosing what is quick and easy in the service of our master, we will not be ready at his appearing. Life is more than temporal comfort and happiness. Christian living means staying ready. And so the gospel today simply asks, are we ready? Jesus wants us to be prepared for the coming of the fullness of God's kingdom. And each one of us needs to decide, am I going to be a servant of the word? Or am I going to embrace whatever's convenient and feels right at the moment? Catholic parishes are meant to be places of refuge and vigil. Here we await the coming of our Lord as we embrace him in the Eucharist and as we hear him in the scriptures. And one reason that we need to gather every week as the church is to remember that the one we follow did not choose the quick and easy way. He chose obedience to a truth that was not easily understood. He chose to persevere in prayer and to surrender to the will of the Father. He chose the hard road to the cross. And he lived in such a way that he could say to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. 
And so each week we come and we hear God's word. Each week we come to eat our Lord's body and drink his blood because this is the life of the church. This is what is meant to hold us steady as we live in a confused and conflicted world. Consistently in the Mass, we are reminded when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again. And so until He comes, we remind ourselves of what Jesus said and did, and He said that He would come back. We remember that He will come back at an unsuspected time. We remember that He has called us to be ready to stay ready until then. Jesus warns his disciples that judgment can fall on us if we're not ready. And in the meantime, we live in a world where we face things that are not easy. We'll be surrounded by people and social media that try to throw quick and easy options in our paths everywhere we turn. We can be ridiculed if we live differently. But as surely as we profess our faith by partaking of the body and blood of our Lord, let's also persevere in a faith that has been handed down from the apostles, let's be people who stay ready until he comes. The reward for that, if we're ready, will be the greatest event that we have ever attended. The heavenly supper of the Lamb. This is what Jesus said.